The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric France and Andre Salveson here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press rolling on on a Wednesday. How you doing, IJ? I'm good. I haven't seen you for a couple of days. How was your vacation? It wasn't. It wasn't a vacation. I yes, wish it was. Yes, it was. I, I got down to Southern Utah, but it was not a vacation. You know, it's Eric, work. work related. Go ahead and just tell me what you want, okay? But how was your steak and lobster? All right, and your mashed potatoes with a side of asparagus. I don't know. I don't know how that was. I didn't. Popcorn and cereal. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to have you back. Thanks to Carl Smith yesterday for joining me and, and helping me out through a uh, day of the full court press. I appreciate him doing so. Uh, Eric, another day of COVID-19, another day of no sports, but, and, and not only that. It's also another day of no new cases locally. Yeah, which is good. Four straight. Go us. Um, go world. Uh, but. No, I mean, a couple things have been canceled. No Mountain West Media Days now, or at least they're going to do it virtual now, so you will not be headed to Los Angeles, or at least Craig Hislop will not head to Los Angeles to uh, go take care of that. Yeah, because normally they're held in Las Vegas. Yep. That's where the championship is held. That's where the the conference tournament is held. So Vegas is kind of a, a hub for the Mountain West. But where the conference champion for football is going to be played at a new bowl game in Los Angeles in that new big fancy stadium for the Rams and the Chargers. That's where media days were going to be held in mid-July. Well, that's uh, kind of changed. Mountain West issuing a statement today saying that uh, they had discussions with their membership institutions, they talked to the TV people, um, and uh, basically it's going to change. It's going to be virtual, as you said. Uh, the, according to their statement, it says the new innovative format will provide the opportunity for the promotion of a broader range of student-athletes while also allowing media to participate who otherwise would not have been able to attend the event in person. The later virtual program date will also permit maximum flexibility for Mountain West football programs this summer. I'm kind of intrigued how that's going to go. That's assuming that there will be Mountain West football programs this summer. And that's the other thing. So, I mean, with the fact, because that wasn't going to be till July, Eric. Till July. Mid-July. And they axed it. They said, nope, not doing it. That's like, uh, what was it? This was about, what, 10 weeks away-ish? 10 or 11 weeks away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it makes you wonder. If some people know what's going to happen, if they're saying, look, there is going to be a delay, expect it. We're going to push things back. Kind of, it worries you a little bit. Hey, what states have opened up? Like, Texas is, is, is California about to open up too? Mm, I don't know about California. Okay, Florida's opened up though, right? Florida's opening up. Uh, I think Georgia is opening up. Texas is opening up. I'm not sure. I honestly have not paid that close attention to all that. 
so I mean, with that, it's—I mean—I don't mean to be that pessimistic guy, but I'm going to be that pessimistic guy. I'm terrified this is going to backfire. What do you mean backfire? That we're going to get back to where people get the coronavirus and we're opening gonna, up too soon. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, I'm, that torn. Doesn't... I'm torn because on the one hand, look, I mean, for us around here, we, we practice social distancing almost every day as it is. It's not like we, when you come to work, you get in an elevator full of people in your apartment complex and then you come out onto a sidewalk full of people and then you go down to, into a subway full of people and then you ride another elevator full of people to get to your office. I mean, that's just not how it is around here. But at the same time, uh, it, for some parts of the country, that is how it is. Um, so there are, in, in regards to sports, um, I, I think that it's been made pretty clear that if it affects one area that affects you know, one team, it affects the entire league, whichever league it is. To some degree, and I think that's why the NBA made their announcement earlier this week that uh, we're going to open NBA practice facilities on May 1. Because some states are opening while others aren't. And if players don't have a big gym in their home and they want to go hoop, they want to put up some shots, they might get on a plane or get in their car and go to a state that has things opened up. And I think that has some NBA executives concerned. So better to control what we can control with our own facilities than leaving it to chance somewhere else. I, uh, I wonder how football college football will respond to this as states do start to kind of lessen restrictions, uh, open up some services and whatnot. And when it finally gets to that point, when it gets to that point, how quickly can they, can they get going? There was an article, Eric, that came out, I believe, on ESPN.com that Adam Rittenberg, who we've had on our show, went out and asked ADs and trainers and, and, and you know, I guess people familiar with the football staff, how long it would take to get them ready for a football season. All of them agreed it would take two months because we've already talked about this before. You not only have to have these kids ready physically, you know, and, and get through through conditioning and hitting and just getting all that stuff, you know, just to bring it that feeling back in, but you also got to worry about depth chart, who's staying, who's going, uh, who, who wants to play, who doesn't want to play, what is your, who's your starting quarterback at this point? Utah State's kind of in that situation. You don't know what your roster looks like. You don't know what your starting defense or offense looks like right now because you didn't see him in spring. You saw him for maybe two weeks, and that's it, and it was done. If you were lucky. If you were lucky. In some areas, yeah, they were barely getting started. So they, they most say they need two months. What is your opinion? I think that um, I think you could get a football season going in a shorter amount of time. It puts more pressure on coaching staffs to figure out what those depth charts look like quicker, more quickly than they'd like. But I think if you recognize it's affecting all people equally, then whatever. I mean, 
it, it is what it is. But I think that uh, it's got to be closer to five or six weeks at the bare minimum. Yeah, see, that's the case. So, look, it, it is the same for every school. I, Just I to- because of I the totally physical aspect. That. But exactly, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what the ADs and coaches said, Eric. They said, like, you bring kids into it too soon, you're talking about soft, t- soft tissue injuries. You're talking about hamstrings. You're talking about uh, uh, strains. Muscle tears. Pulls, muscle tears. They said if you give them, if you say, you know what, we're going to go from July and you're going to be ready for the football season by at the end of August. One anonymous AD said, I will tell my coach not to let our kids play because you're putting them at risk in a very dangerous situation. Because you imagine, not only that, Eric, but you take an FCS school who's supposed to play a big money game against Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, LSU, they're going to get killed. They're going to get hurt. I mean, even if they are starting at the same time, you're talking about 250 pounds SEC versus 250 pounds FCS is a difference. It is a big difference. And you see it and you feel it and you can hear it in the way they hit. And you can't like you can't risk these young kids' lives just to start football season on time. It's not right. Yeah. What's disconcerting is that the NCAA has not set a standard. Yeah. That's a pro I would agree with that. Absolutely because, that'd be a problem. It, it they have to come out and say, look, if we're going to do this, we don't know when this is going to happen. We still don't know when these games are going to be played, but we need this minimum time frame of number of weeks, number of days, number of practices set in stone or you know, time on campus. They, they're going to have to set some kind of a standard. Otherwise, you're going to have some states. Okay, if we're in Florida, maybe we can't get the whole team together, but we'll do positions, position groups. No more than 20 people together at a time. Let's go hit the gym. You guys start working out. Let's start your nutrition program. You're doing that in Florida, but you can't do it in, in California. That's a problem. And then all of a sudden it opens up and you can start doing practices. Well, those guys have had like two months lead time on you with their nutrition and uh, weight programs. But honestly, I don't know, Ajay, how, unless you wait an entire six more months or even an entire year, how you could just say, we're going back to normal and this is this this is how we've normally done our routines and, and, it's and this gonna, is how it's going to happen. And it's going to ace, it's going to scare, I, look, kids and, and athletes, they want to play now. Students want to see football now. But again, you're putting people at risk. 86,000 fans go jamming themselves inside of a stadium to watch a game because that will happen. It will be a sold-out crowd. Coronavirus or not, if they give them the go, it's going to be sold out in Bama, LSU, uh, USDA. People are going to come. Well, but I think that's the other point of this. I think can you do games? Can you get the athletes together? Can Can you allow that type of a group to be together, the number of players that are on a roster? Uh, can you do that? Can you still perform a game but do it without the fans? And then from a college financial uh, aspect, from the athletic department standpoint, is it worth it? 
Is it even worth it to hold the game without fans? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, if you can't have fans in the stands, if I can't sell tickets, if I can't sell game sponsorships, if I can't sell that quirky thing we do at the timeouts, then it's is it even worth it? Well, and, and that's the thing is I think a ton of ADs and, and uh, conference commissioners have spoken out about that, Eric, and have said we need fans there. Ohio State's uh, president said we need fans at our games. Their AD echoed that. LSUs did the exact same thing. We need fans at our football games. Or else this can't happen. We can't play. But it's it's going to have to be a give or take. Either you get the fans and you wait it out until you play in February or whatever it's going to be, which is crazy to me. Or you say, you know what, we want to play, we want to play now. We're not going to have fans for at least the first few weeks and then we'll get into it and we'll have fans. Yeah, I don't. But the question is, which way is more suitable? Which way is more fair for the fans? Which way is more better for the game? That's the question. Uh, personally, this is just Eric Franson speaking. Yeah. Eric Franson, yeah. the radio, the guy. gospel not according the former, to Eric Franson here, not the former basketball player, because he certainly has more. I credibility think we clarified that more than enough here. Yeah, I think <laughs> that <laughs> I think that I think that you could play the games without the fans. People will watch the games. Viewership will be high. Oh, yes, you don't get the TV money. The roof, it's not the same as the ticket sales and everything else that comes around at concessions and everything else. But I think that it provides a window to start to get things happening. And then maybe over time, you can start to allow certain numbers of people to come in. I don't know. Hey, if that's the if other you can question. do it at a staged process, like, okay, we can only have... 50% capacity, whatever. You can only sit every other seat. I don't okay, know. Okay, but yeah, but here's the question with that, because I saw some kind of a graph just similar to that, like for a basketball arena. How do you do that? How do you decide who gets to go to the game and who doesn't? How do you do that with students? All right, first 20 students here get to be in the game. All right, the rest of you get out of here. How do you do that with season ticket holders? Yeah, yeah. I've been a season ticket holder for know, 15 man. years. Why don't I get to go to the game? Sorry, but we have to. We can only have every other person in each seat, and we've already filled capacity. But you paid for your season tickets. There's a problem with it. And and to be quite honest, there's no solution yet. I'm sure they're trying to come up with a sol- with a solution. But I'm with you. I think if anything, and what I guess the the um, the moral to the article that Adam Rimberg wrote was simply that football will not start on time, that there is going to be a delay, probably a bigger one than people think. They will not play a full season, and it might just be conference games. But, Eric, that fans will be, a, be able to be a part of those conference games. And that's what, look, you're playing the conference games, you get the fans in the stands, it's a win for everybody. I mean, I know you missed a big money game, but, Look, you're back playing football, and you have a chance to compete for the conference championship. What else do you want? Do you get the big money if you play that game? Because a lot of that rev- that money that you're getting is based on revenue from the ticket sale. That's a good point. I mean, you're yeah. still contractually yeah, not, yeah, obligated, yeah. but I'm sure they're going to try to fight it. Say we reduced rate or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could thank goodness I don't have to handle the whole ticket thing. That, that's not even a ball, oh, man. Headaches I, upon headaches. Yeah, I'd rather not and rather never. So uh, uh, I don't. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer with all this, but there's some other breaking news 
Oh, no. It's being reported. Okay. Uh, and it's about baseball. Oh, fetch. So we're going to take a step aside here in the Full Court Press. We want to come back, some breaking news about baseball. And what how this we- is affecting it and some decisions that may be coming down and how that's going to affect what's going on this summer. Why do I got a feeling it's not about the Hall of Fame? Uh, <laughs> it's not about the Hall of Fame. Oh, fetch. What else? We heard that news at the top of the hour. That's affected this summer. Uh, we'll discuss that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Trying to make sense of. I found your horrible, no good, very bad news. So, just uh, seeing this, this is published just this afternoon um, by lookoutlanding.com. The headline is Sources No Minor League Baseball in 2020, MLB Expanding Rosters Instead. Written by John Doyle, or excuse me, Joe Doyle. And uh, he's sourcing that claim from several agents that represent minor league players, saying that uh, based on information those players were receiving today, that it looks like minor league baseball will be canceled for 2020, and instead, major league baseball will expand rosters, they'll have a condensed season, and they'll have a developmental league basically taking place at spring training facilities. So where you can call people up, send people down to assignment. Basically, you're just sending them back to spring training facilities just to have simulated games. Hmm. Yeah, that's a bummer. So, Eric, I have so many questions right now <laughs> just with, with within the sport of baseball itself. But then also the impact or after effect that it might have on other sports too. Let's start with baseball first. So you have an expanded roster. Um, but what if that, I mean, how do you select guys to be a part of that expanded roster? Can you just move them back and forth from the spring training facility then? Is that, is that what the hope is? I mean, because they don't have the, at the spring training facility, are going to have like the Salt Lake Bees? And then say, okay, this roster belongs to the Angels still? Or, I mean, how does that work? And how expanded is your roster? And does it cover the positions? Well, each team has their, their own designated spring training facilities. Don't they? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they still... Yeah, I mean, they have some cooperation with fields and things like that, but... One source said via text message, quote, we're expecting the season to start in June. We're expecting a report in the next three weeks. Yeah, so they're saying that the, it looks like Major League Baseball may be following in the steps of the NBA. It's starting to open up some of their facilities for the players and maybe have some direction or hope of a season to take place in the summer. But basically, Major League Baseball is going to have to call everybody back and, and do a mini spring training again. So... Their season never even got started. How does that? How does that league work with the spring training facility? Or are they just out there playing? 
So I was just playing simulated games, like not no like not counted games. That's what they're doing. I would I guess. Wow. <laughs> That's gonna upset a lot of players. So if they expect to start in June, and, and there may be some some Major League Baseball games happening at those spring training facilities. Yeah, see, that's the other thing. So everybody's it, all together. But hey, does baseball start without fans? I I don't know how any sport besides maybe NASCAR. Not even that. I mean, I was going to say why say even NASCAR. Right. I, I don't think there's any sport that could take place without fans right now. I think what Even I meant to two. say is that NASCAR relies the least on fans oh, being absolutely. there for the type of yeah. action that happens in the, in the competition. But even by June, you don't think? Because I, I mean, even for me, June. I mean, June's a month away. We're at April 29th today. It's a month away, and you still feel like even by then, still no fans. No, Mm-mm. I don't see fans in the fall. Oh man, that's not good. I, mean, I hope I'm wrong. I feel bad for the I players. Do. I hope I'm really wrong. Yeah. But no, but the way but from what we've heard from those and who you've talked to, who I've talked to, who you know, even national sources have talked to, that's the way they want to start. Like that's the way they're hoping to start. So, is baseball still hoping to play their games at their home facilities? Like for example, like Arizona Diamondbacks still at Chase Field, uh Yankees still at Yankee State is that are that is that or are they still thinking about moving games to college stadiums or playing them in the like remote locations such as Phoenix or your spring training facilities? So that's where the games. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, you have your Cactus League and your Citrus League. So right? they just could be in Arizona and Florida. So there's that pos there that that possibility is still a reality. I think so. Okay, because for NBA, I I would imagine like they're still like we're not going to play games at Vivint Home Arena. We are going to play games in like Las Vegas or whatever. I would imagine, or not Las Vegas, but just locations. Well, Las, Las that Vegas don't... is a potential city that's been talked about in NBA circles as a potential destination. That's a city that got it that got hammered bad with this all, huh? Well, just you, you need somewhere where you can have enough facilities to have enough games played. <clears throat> With hotels, a place that, yeah, you need multiple venues if you're going to be like, that's your place because you don't, sending, traveling, no, it's not going to work. There's too much potential of exposure and then bringing something from somewhere else. But I think that there's going to be so, there's still going to be so much political and social pressure. That's why I don't think I see fans attending sporting events until maybe the winter time. Okay, so but you don't think like the Utah Jazz will play some of their games at Vivens Rome Marine without fans. I, it's possible. I think it's possible. Can you, could you imagine a playoff game without fans? <laughs> That'd be so weird. Oh. It's uncomfortable to think about. So weird. Well, even in a football game, like when we, if Utah State's playing a football game and we're watching it on TV and they have the effects, Mike, you know. Oh, you're going to hear every hear hit? Everything. Every grunt? You're going to hear every, every trash word. talk? You might hear you might hear a coach scream at a player. <laughs> you might hear some foreign language. Uh, so do you allow at least family? No. Nope. Nope. If, if you say no, 
to season ticket holders who pay thousands of dollars for those tickets. How, why would, I mean, how do you say yes to a family? Because you know season ticket holders are going to be like, well, look, we bought these tickets. We have been donating money to your school, and we can't come to the game, but because this guy's great-grandma's alive, she can go? Like, they're, dude, that's not going to go well. If they allow that, that is going to go very south very quickly. And schools will lose money from those big so, donors. Yeah, the only cheering is going to be coming from your bench. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, I, again, I'm kind of looking forward to watching the game on TV and just hearing, bam, and then you hear some coach yell at somebody. And, oh, heck yeah, that's going to be kind of fun. I'm actually, I'm kind of okay it's with It's going to have to be on a delay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there's going to be language. Uh, coaches, yeah, you know what? Actually, we're going to skip that clip. Uh, let's just go ahead and uh, move on. Second and five, everybody. Second and five. Hey, uh, speaking of baseball, Eric, um, oh, my goodness. More breaking news, by the way. Uh, Buccaneers picked up Rob Gronkowski. They had Mike Evans. They have Rob Godwin. So people asked, well, what about O.J. Howard? And then people said, Bill Belichick. We'll go after O.J. Howard. He'll use some. He'll use whatever he's got, whatever assets he can, and get O.J. Howard. And Buccaneers, according to Adam Scheffler, has exercised the fifth-year contract option on the tight end O.J. Howard. Have mercy on you, NFL, and especially you, NFC South. Now they've got Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Mike Evans, and Rob Godwin all on the same offense, on the same field, at the same time. Bless you. NFL. Uh, Eric, baseball, the Hall of Fame has been now pushed back to 2021. Yeah. That means Derek Jeter, Larry Walker are not going to be inducted this year, but next year. Here's the kicker to that. If, and this is sort of a, not, it's not really a big if anymore, Eric. If Barry Bonds gets elected next year, and he could, by the way, get elected next year, Kurt Schilling maybe gets elected. How do you handle all that attendance for that kind of a major group? We're talking Derek Jeter. We're talking Kurt Schilling and Barry freaking Bonds. You don't think people are going to show up for Barry Bonds? You think those two last two guys are going to get in? I think Barry does. Barry's getting there. Barry's moving up a lot quicker. And I, I think it was Tim Kirkjian who said uh, that Barry Bonds was moving up a lot quicker, he, he said, according to one source, than he was expected to. And now all of a sudden, he actually looks like he's a viable option for next year's Hall of Fame. And if he gets in, people will show up. Oh, oh it's going to be packed. Yes. Kurt Schilling's a different one. I feel bad, Eric. He got really uh he got he got messed over by those who felt like his politics and him getting involved in politics became right. a distraction. I agree. I think it's unfortunate. I think if you look at his playing career. Which is what it should be about. And you base it only on what he did on the mound. He is a Hall of Famer. Which is what, when did it all of a sudden become, oh, I'm sorry, you're on this side? No, you can't You can't be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, great player, but man, you had a stinky attitude. You have a, I don't you have, like you as a person. We, we disagree with your <laughs> opinions on your politics. Give me a freaking break. All, yeah, the guy exactly. threw with like torn tendons in his foot and his sock was full of blood. Bloody sock is In the legend. ALCS, he pitched game seven against the Yankees in 2001 to get the Arizona Diamondbacks their first World Series title. Like, the MLB Baseball Hall of Fame is the most messed up Hall of Fame. Oh, Dude. baseball writers oh, is it, is are it? so 
Murphy. So what, much drama. Queen. Is it Daniel Murphy? What uh, the uh, Murphy uh, for play for Atlanta Braves? Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy. Thank you. Should be in. Pete Rose should be in. Uh, Edgar Martinez, the great Seattle Mariner. Uh, Mr. Single Eye Single Guy is what they called him is because he would always find the holes where nobody was and be able to put the ball in the place to be able to get on base. Wasn't a big home run guy. But he's not even in the Hall of Fame. And Randy Johnson, Randy Johnson went up in the Hall of Fame speech and pleaded for the Hall of Fame committee to get their crap together, paraphrasing, and to get Edgar Martinez into that Hall of Fame. And in fact, actually, Edgar Martinez is at the top of the He's like the first four out, if you will, in that ballot. So, Edgar Martinez is going to make it next year. So, if Barry Bonds, Edgar Martinez, if Kurt Schilling makes it, and you've got Derek Jeter and Larry Walker in there as well, oh, man. Oh, have mercy on your Cooperstown and your your business that is going to be great. That would, no question, be the most controversial Hall of Fame ever. Oh, it'd be, oh, it'd be so fun. But it'd be great. Oh, Barry Bonds hit, like, steroids or not. I, I maybe you're a baseball guy, so help me here. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa saved baseball in 1998. Look, that game was—I mean, that that the game of baseball was on this teeter totter, but was actually going downward. Yes, people were sick of the Yankees, it was really struggling, and yeah, and, and uh, the market was just bad. It, it was they horrible. didn't recover well after their lockout. No, and so there was the thought of uh, there's the thought of. I mean, what do we do from here? Can we even have a league? And then Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa put on the greatest home run chase, chase ever in MLB history. It became must-watch television because yeah, you, you, you were watching history. Exactly. How many home runs did Mark McGuire get? How many home runs did Sosa have? Where are we at? daily watch. Yeah. And then when it died off, people said, well, crap, now what are we going to watch? And then the Arizona Diamondbacks put on a beautiful series against the Yankees. And then finally, of course, in that span, Barry Bonds was on the home run chase for Mark McGuire's record. And was, you know what? He might have been cheating. He might have been taking steroids. But my gosh, he saved your game. He saved your game. Show appreciation for that, for heaven's sakes. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, I, I think there's a fine line there. And I think there's a lot of gray area. Uh, because I'm like you. I, I, I've, Sammy Sosa, Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Mark McGuire, uh, Cardinals, but you know, big rivalry there between the Cubs and the Cardinals. But I loved watching what Mark McGuire was doing and what those Cardinals were doing. Um, and you're, there's no question. And Ken Griffey Jr. was not lagging too far behind them either. No, and there was no question what they were doing was capturing the attention of the American psyche and watching baseball. Uh, Barry Bonds was super jealous of all the attention that they got. Um, started doing some things a little bit differently to try to to play in that same space. Yeah. Um, at the time, what Mark McGuire was using was over-the-counter stuff that nobody thought anything different of. Uh, then later, like, okay, maybe this should be a little more regulated. Same thing with Sammy Sosa. Go to any health food store um, and uh, your your GNCs and things like that, and you get the same stuff. Uh, it's not like it was... E- illegal substance for people to be ingesting. But was it according to their proper standards? I don't know. I mean, at the time, no, it wasn't. Barry Bonds, things had changed at that point. There was more scrutiny and there was more attention on it. Um, and yeah, he, he seemed to be doing things 
he wasn't very open. He was doing things, uh, trying to skirt around the edges. Uh, at that point, there was more knowledge that, hey, there might be some stuff going on here. we got to pay closer attention to what's happening to our league because people are maybe doing things to maybe inflate their numbers in a way that's it's not proper. So I think there is a bit of a difference between McGuire and Sosa and what was going on with Bonds. Because I think Bonds was was jealous, and I think that he was he was skirting the edges a little bit more. Hmm. Because it was more of a known thing that Major League Baseball was watching for. And uh, not to say that you know, if it was the same standards with McGuire and Sosa back then, it would have had different results. I don't know. But I know in that home run chase with McGuire and Sosa, it absolutely saved baseball and took it to a whole other level. Yeah. And everybody that plays the game today needs to send them a thank you card. Oh, it was awesome. I still remember I was young, but I, you know, when I missed a game or whatever, because I, you know, I didn't watch all the Cardinals games. I'd watch WGN to, just to see Sosa. I didn't care about the Cubs. I just wanted to watch Sosa. But you watch ESPN News or whatever Sports Center back in the day, and you, you how many home runs did each player have? And, Oh, it was fun. It was just good stuff. I freaking miss that day. I miss those days back in baseball. Record chasing games. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, there's uh, the big news today um, with, with baseball is according to some sources, again, we haven't seen an official report from Major League Baseball or from Minor League Baseball, but there are some reports that suggest that Minor League Baseball for 2020 could be canceled, and effectively, Major League Baseball will just expand their rosters. Things will take place at spring training facilities. Um, developmental, they'll have a kind of a developmental league going on at these spring training facilities, just to isolate players and exposure, but still have some sense of a an abbreviated uh, Major League Baseball season, but doing it without minor league baseball. And does this kill? This, this, this potentially kill minor league baseball? That's it's already on the ropes. Yeah, that's what you're kind of starting to wonder. Is this is this a theory? Like, wait, if you're a conspiracy theorist, right? Is this the MLB saying? Does this give major league baseball the green chance, light to yep, do what the, they've the been wanting rope, to do? Exactly, give them the space to say, all right, we're going to axe this, 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 and this, and this team. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, by the way, nine eight three five texted in and said Edgar was going to be on this year. I think he was just short, so he's going on next one. He was go he's going into the Hall of Fame. In 2021 anyway, so it, it works one way or another. All right, we're going to take a step aside here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, big news from Utah State football. We already <laughs> talked about Mountain West Media Days, but there's a change there. But let's talk specifically about USU football. And there's news today about name, image, and likeness. An interesting ruling, NCAA has come out and made a decision now how does that affect a school like Utah State and some of its athletes? Um, and then uh, Brett Favre had some interesting things to say about Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. We'll talk about that coming up on the Full Court Press. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
Eric France and Ajay Salveson. It's just like someone like took a three that wasn't supposed to make the three, and they made it. Um, and there goes your momentum. Oh, from the other team? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Not from one of your guys. No, no, I no, definitely <laughs> no, no. Yes, you're you're absolutely correct. Okay. Hey, big news from Utah State University announced this yesterday. They have a three-game series announced with the Oregon Ducks. Yes, from the Pac-12. Utah State playing Washington State from the Pac-12 in a series. Utah State playing the Oregon Ducks from the Pac-12 in a series. (laughs) Any other Pac-12 takers? Washington. Hi, Washington State. Welcome. Yeah, we played Washington. Utah State played Washington. They're last playing year. Washington They're again this play year. Again this year. Washington State's coming here. Okay. Hi, Oregon. Yeah, hello. Let's do it. They Utah. played USC recently. Utah. Bueller. 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 Oh, you know, Eric. I just okay. Look, someone brought up a great point because I went out on Twitter and I asked this question. Because I just got fed up with you fans left and right. So I said, you fans, you tell me why Utah won't play Utah State. You tell me. You say it's because it's a weak game. So what is Dixie State and Northern Illinois then? Are they weak games? How does playing Dixie State help you but Utah State not? Okay, so then let's go, well... It's, There's some deep-seated resentment down there. I don't oh, get dude, it. It's horrible. It's it's Salt Lake City. That explains everything it's you so need petty. to know. It, it's, Little babies. So and then they, why don't people get so upset about give, this? Like, if, well, if BYU pulled this stunt, we'd be burning down like villages. Why do we need to play Mountain West Conference teams? It's a it, it's a lose lose. If we beat you, we're supposed to. If we lose, we're supposed to. Then why are you playing Dixie State? Why are you playing in Northern Illinois? Why are you playing in FCS school? Why are you playing Wyoming? You're playing Wyoming. Who, by the way, if you haven't seen, by the way, Utah U fans, they're in our conference. They're in, the, they're in the exact same conference as us. So then someone finally, a realistic fan, brought up this point. And I, I actually, I want to read this out to you because I want to make sure I read it correctly when I, from my tweet. Um, he told me that just, uh, well, he said, yeah, I'd just like to clarify that I would welcome USU onto the schedule, but I think Utah would prefer to play sharks or minnows as opposed to a trout, USU. There's a little fishing metaphor for you. Problem is, is that USU doesn't move the meter much, but could still give the Utes an ugly loss. They'll play a big name or play it safe. So it's either Texas or Wittitaka University <laughs> from New York uni- from New York State. I mean, that's just, but Utah, the the line that got me the most is that even though he says Utah State doesn't move the meter much, but could still give the Utes an ugly loss. So then it does move the meter then. If that's the case, if it's an ugly loss, well then yeah, it does move the meter then, buddy. Is it an ugly loss? Utah State football has had some pretty decent years here lately. There was one. There was a really bad year under Matt Wells, where they only got three wins. Other than that, more often than not, they're a bowl team. They're and competing in their conference. It's not a bad loss if they lose to Utah State. It's but, not. But then he's told me that Dixie State is a guaranteed win. Sure, Utah State is not. So then he finally became a realistic, and he said we could lose to Utah State. That's just not a good thing for a Pac-12 team trying to vie for a playoff spot. Which, by the way, they are realistically, Eric, vying for a playoff spot. Utah State is not. 
So and a loss to Utah does, State exceeds all of that area. Yeah, but a, a game against Dixie doesn't really help your chances to get into the top four anyway. It gives you a guaranteed win. You're not going to lose to Dixie State. You're going to lose to Utah State, though. You'd rather take the guaranteed win. A guaranteed win that may lower your overall power rankings of how or, your schedule looks compared to somebody else's. Or losing and just it totally kills your playoff chances, period. Because the playoff committee would say, in absolutely heck no, you're not getting in the playoff. You have a loss to Utah State. Whether we respect that loss or, I mean, we respect Utah State as a football team. National people would not. The playoff committee would not. They would then say, why do they schedule Wyoming? Why do they schedule Northern Illinois? Because the it's a, same be, rule again, applies. But it's a guaranteed win. They're going to beat why? Wyoming. They, Wyoming's going to be as competitive as Utah State. No, is. they're not. No, they're not. It's not a it's not a in-state rivalry game, but it's an historic rivalry game. You, Wyoming would would not be, and Utah. they're a decent program. I would rather play the safe way and tell you. I can I I get it now. Like at first I like I don't get it. What is your problem? Come play us. Quit acting like cowards. And you still are cowards. They are cowards. But again, it's that okay, I don't want to try to put on it. They're, they're still cowards. But they still they want to make sure they get that guaranteed win. Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, and all the big name schools do it the same thing. Clemson especially. But guess what? They're undefeated, and they get into the playoff. The Utah Utes are taking that same route. They're learning, Eric, as when being a part of a P5 conference, you got to schedule like a P5 team. you got your P5 conference you know, schedule. If they want to be considered for a national championship, they can't be scheduling lower-tier teams and they're not in the same division. Well, then why does Clemson get away with it? And Clemson plays in a worse conference than Utah does. The Pac-12 is better than the ACC, and Clemson gets away with it. So Utah is learning Clemson's lesson. Schedule like them, win out, win big, you're going to the playoff. Take care of your conference. And if you play Utah State, you won't. there's a higher risk that you won't make that happen. It's true. Slim. I think it strengthens your schedule more so than playing in Dixie. But I think also, your odds of beating Utah is still very strong. But whatever, you know they want to be cowards and yeah, hide. Do you know what I don't afraid. get? But someone brought up a great question. I want to ask this. Really, I know we gotta go to break here, but I, I gotta ask you this: Utah football makes sense. I get it. I understand. Why the crap is Larry K tucking in the fetal position behind his desk and not taking Utah State on the basketball schedule though? Yeah, that's again, that's a sick thing. There's there's something deep seated up on that campus that's it's embarrassing. Frankly, it's really well, embarrassing. They're because so petty and so you scared. don't think and and I tweeted out you don't think that our valley would love to see Jackson Branchley, Rylan Jones, and when it comes to Mason Faltliff on the same team on University of Utah play our Aggies. Oh. You don't think our Valley would like to My see that? Gosh. And then you know someone tweeted out, well, the you don't think those guys would get up for that game? Oh yeah. You know, but then someone tweeted out, well, the casual Aggie fan. There's not a lot of casual Aggie fans here, by the way. Welcome to Cash Valley. A lot of them understand Jackson Brinsley's name, Mason Fultz of Ryland Jones. They know those guys. We don't have casual Aggie fans. We have diehard, passionate Aggie fans. They understand. They get it, and they travel. They would go and be a part of this 8,500 people there. So, again, the news today, Utah State will play a three-game series with the University of Oregon. They'll play in Eugene in 27. 
They'll play in Logan in 28, and then they'll play in Eugene, Oregon in 29. So it's a, over a three-year span. Um, Utah State last played in uh, UG, played against Oregon back in 2008. Um, back in 2001, that was a heck of a game. It was so shocking that uh, they got Oregon to come to Logan that year. That was a team with uh, what's Joey um, Heisman. Uh, Joey uh, Harrington. Harrington. Yep. Uh, highly touted team. Utah State gave them quite a game. Hey, what happened in 08? Or did you guys play them in 08? Utah State? Utah State did play them in 08. Was it a close game? Cause that- I don't recall. I don't think it was, but I'll have to go back and find it. Um, Yeah, it, no, it's great. It, 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 it's great for the university. It's great for I'm, – I'm, I, I thank Oregon for having the Gajones to come play Utah State. Now, they could back out and pay $2 million and say we don't want to come to Utah State. But I'm for now, I'm grateful they're coming. All right. Uh, name, image, and likeness. And Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if we'll have time to get through both. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers first. We'll get into name, image, and likeness tomorrow. That's a bigger topic. Uh, but uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Brett Favre had some comments about him and this uh, recent move by the Green Bay Packers drafting Jordan Love and what that might mean to the relationship between those two quarterbacks and the relationship Aaron Rodgers might have in the future with the Packers. We'll talk about that next on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, Full Court Press rolling on, finishing out the top of the hour here. Uh, news today, uh, Brett Favre, Went on with Rich Eisen on NBC Sports Network and said that um, he doesn't see Aaron Rodgers finishing his career in a Green Bay uniform. Thinks that he'll follow his path, similar to what he ended up doing, leaving Green Bay and finishing his career with New York Jets and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, And some of his things that he said quickly, just uh, one of his quotes says, I'm not surprised that he reached out to Jordan. This goes to report that Aaron Rodgers did call. He initiated the call to Jordan Love. Uh, being in a similar situation himself 15 years ago, and we had a great relationship in spite of, I wouldn't say it took a turn for the worst when I left, but he was basically caught in the middle of a hornet's nest, if you will. I don't foresee that happening here. I think Aaron will do whatever. It's not his job to mentor Jordan Love. <laughs> uh- really? Sir, this is a Wendy's. Uh, yeah, it is your job. Well, I think in the context of it's not Aaron Rodgers' job to his only job to mentor Jordan no, Love. No, no, his job is to go out and win football games. Look, uh, but he should also like help the young guy understand how the NFL works. Here's no, like here's the thing: Tom Brady, under his wing, took care of quarterbacks, right? Matt Castle, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brian Hoyer. Just teach him what you know. That's all he's asking. Brett Favre said, it's not the head guy's job to mentor the next guy. That guy's ultimately later to take your spot. Now, if Jordan were to ask, can I watch extra film with you? I would be shocked if Aaron said no. I think he'd go over and beyond to help, but he's just not going to go out of his way. That's mind-boggling to me. All right. Well, Aaron Rodgers is still under contract if anybody for would a know, few more you, years. Brett. Uh, it's re- history repeating itself. What an ego. Which is going to make it fun. And that's been the hot topic since the draft happened. 
and it will continue to be until the fall. Have a great night, everybody. Existing. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Maybe it's because everybody's talking about the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, but lately we've seen a reoccurring theme. It's not easy being the GOAT, as in the greatest of all time. GM Jerry Krause broke up Michael Jordan's Bulls. Tom Brady left the Patriots for the Buccaneers, and now we're seeing signs of turmoil in Green Bay with quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Not that Rodgers is the GOAT with only one Super Bowl win. He's not in the conversation for the greatest of all time. But he's up there when it comes to pure talent. Understandably, people were shocked when the Packers took another quarterback, Jordan Love, in the first round. Now there's a report that head coach Matt LaFleur may have wanted to send Rodgers a message. Sounds hard to believe, but if we've learned anything this past month, even the best players aren't untouchable. It's the offseason. Maybe we're making too much of this, but we will all be watching the Packers' sideline and the rodgers LaFleur dynamic very closely when the games do return. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.